Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. Doesn't it feel good to worship? Oh, Does feel good, doesn't it? Amen. We're so glad each and every one of you are here today. I'd like to say welcome to this family back here. They've been with us before. Glad to have you back. Amen. Young lady over here. Nice to have all of you with us here today. Amen. October is uh, going by in a hurry, isn't it? Wow. All right, going to call your attention this morning to the book of Revelation, chapter number 14, and we're going to read verses 14 through 20. Amen. Oh, Lord, hallelujah. Boy, we need him, don't we? I don't know about you, but I need him. You that have children, you need him really, really bad. All right, here we go. And uh, if they could, uh, those track lights down as far as it looks a little light, but anyway. All right, here we go. And I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Listen carefully. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had the power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even into the horses' bridles by the space of a thousand six hundred furlongs. This is a very, uh, very sober portion of scripture here. And, uh, you know, when you've preached for a while, there are certain messages that come to you, and we hope and we feel that they are inspired and prompted by the Holy Ghost. But uh, there are some that just, uh, boy, they just get you, and this is one of those. So this is a very important thought here tonight, and I hope and pray that we can bring it about in the way that uh, 
that we intend to do so. Amen. The churches race with the reaper. The churches race with the reaper. Amen. I'm going to ask you if you would, if you would lift your heart to the Lord. Thank you for putting that up there, Brother Grant. That looks very nice. Thank you. Amen. I wonder if we could today. I don't know where necessarily you are at in your relationship with God. I, I think I know most of you, but some of you I don't, possibly. But it, it's the day that we need to make sure that we are before we even leave the house of God. It's important that we know that we are at, in right standing with God and our brother. Can you say amen? amen? Brother McCune, would you lead us in prayer, please? All right, Lord bless you. You may be seated. Book of Proverbs, chapter number 30 and verses 15 and 16, tells us that there are four things that are never satisfied. Four things. It says, the grave is never satisfied. It never says, I'm full. The barren womb. The earth in its thirst for more water and fire. Those four things. I don't think we would be out of line this morning to add a fifth category today, and that is the harvest field. The harvest never says, I'm full. It never says that, all seats are taken. There's no more room for you. Never says that. The Lord of the harvest never tells us to stop in our quest for reaching the lost. How many of you were lost at one time? Oh, come on. The Lord of the harvest never says, stop, we're full, no more room. We know the forerunner of the gospel started, really, with the father of the faithful, Abraham. We're told in Genesis 22 that the promise of God on Abraham and his seed after him was going to multiply and ultimately influence every, had the potential to influence every family on the earth. How many of you recognize that you are one of those today? If it wasn't for Abraham's faith in the beginning, you and I would not be here today, plain and simple. And that promise was that God said, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. 
How many stars are out there? And as the sand on the shore. You ever tried to count the grains of sand? Why, why even try, right? And ultimately, said Abraham, ultimately, your seed will have the potential of blessing every nation on the earth and every family on the earth. Always room for one more. He goes on and he adds this. This is something that when before I've read that scripture and I've read this part of it, but I really uh, I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. After that, he says, And your seed shall possess the gate of your enemies. Pretty important stuff right there. In other words, it says, God told him, he says, not only, Abraham, are you going to be blessed, but your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies by conquering them. That's what that means. Can I remind all of us here today that it was Jesus that spoke the words to Peter, I will build my church. He said, Peter, you passed the test. I am the Son of God. I am the anointed of God. I am the manifestation of the only invisible God that you will ever see, Peter. And he says, and upon this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of your enemies will never be able to have the power to come against it. Because we sing about the blood. Paul writes in Galatians chapter number 3. He says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. For there is neither Jew nor Greek nor bond or free neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, and you are an heir according to the promise that started in the beginning of Genesis, and that is, I will bless you, and you will be a blessing, and you will conquer every enemy that tries to come against you. You can't go against the Word of God, the promises of God, or the blessing of God. Luke 14 confirms this in the parable of the Great Supper as to what we're talking about in this harvest. He says, tell those that were invited that supper is ready. They all made excuse as to not being able to make it. The master told them, go into the streets, bring in the lame, the blind, the dumb, whatever it is, just bring them in. The servant did and told the master, and here's what he said, and yet there is room for more. He said, but it still is not filled. 
the master said, then you go back out into the highways and the hedges because my desire is for my house to be filled. There is never an end to the harvest until the reaper puts a sickle forth. I'm reminded of a dream I had several years ago. I was standing out in a field that was full of golden wheat. Not the cornfield, Mason. Not Middleton Farms, okay? But... I was standing out in a very large field full of golden wheat. It was magnificent. And I saw a very, I was next to me, there was placed a, a very large silver trophy. And I asked the question, why wasn't the trophy gold? And the voice, the answer came back. The harvest is the gold. You're standing in a field of gold. It's the harvest that's the gold. You're not looking for a crown of gold on the earth. You're not looking for a trophy, son. You're looking for the harvest. You're standing right in the middle of it. The harvest is gold, folks. That is where you will strike gold. Every time you are involved in winning a soul, that is your true gold in life. That's the only gold that matters here on earth. I want to give you three thoughts here this morning, three takeaways, if you will, here. Number one, the focus is on the harvest, not the earthquake, not the famine, not the flood, not the war. Hello? Number two, the harvest potential is gigantic. And number three, it's ripe. And the church is in a race with the reaper. We're in a race today, folks. This thing is about ready to close out in the world as we currently know it. Notice, did you, did you catch that scripture? He's sitting on a white cloud, patiently waiting for the church to do what it was commissioned to do because the Bible says the Lord is patient and he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We had a discussion the other day and Talking about the power of prayer. And yes, prayer is powerful. But unless prayer brings about repentance, it is null and void. Because the message has always been repent. The church is in a race. Listen carefully. Genesis 26, God blessed Isaac during a famine. During a famine. 
There's a, there is a, a principle here. His father Abraham messed up and went down into Egypt during a time of famine. God said, Isaac, you don't need to turn to the world just because there's a famine in the world. You need to understand that I am the God of blessing and even if there's a famine in the world, you just got to sow the seed, son, and watch what I will do for you. There was a famine in the land. Isaac had it in his mind that he had to go down into the world to in Egypt for food. But God said, you stay right where you are and watch what I will do for you. And verse number 12, Isaac sowed in the land and received in the same year 100-fold. 100-fold in the midst of a famine in the land in the same year that he sowed. There is a harvest that comes from the seed because the seed is the Word of God and the Word of God will produce a harvest and God will honor His faithful when you... Listen, I appreciate you and your support of the ministry of this assembly. You are the faithful. You are the ones that you are the strength of the church. You are the church. He said, Isaac, listen, buddy, no matter what's going on in that world, no matter how the famine, no matter... No, he says, all you got to do is sow the seed and you watch what I will do for you. You understand? It is obedience. It is your faith igniting inside of you that produces enough faith to sow a seed. And that seed is, it can be as small as a mustard seed, but I'm here to tell you that it is the potential and the power of that seed that can produce a hundredfold. Oh, good. Listen, Sister Kathleen and I both come from welfare families. We're, we're, we're nothing without God. But with God, with God, with God, He has blessed us one thousandfold. Listen, and Isaac sowed in the land and received the same year 100-fold because the Lord blessed him. <laughs> I'm telling you what, yeah. Uh, listen, I carry, I like to carry a little gold 
Well, it's not real gold. It's the golden one dollar fake gold. But Ulysses is on there. And the president, you know, I like to carry him around. But listen, the gold is in the harvest. It don't matter how, how weird the world gets. And they're plenty weird out there, okay? Brother Tim, it, there, we could all be starving to death. And listen, don't get me wrong. I, I like to eat as much as anybody else. Especially monster cookies. But my, if we're not careful... We get our eyes on the earthquake and the flood and the war and Mr. Putin and uh, Uncle Joe and so on and so forth. And we lose what we are supposed to be doing and commissioned to do. Jesus said, go, 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 go. So, 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 so. And you watch what I will do because of your faithfulness to the place that I have put you in. Watch what I'll do. In fact, Jesus made reference of it in Mark 10, 29. Jesus said, I assure you, and most solemnly say to you, there is no one who's given up a house, brother, sisters, mom, dad, children, farm, for my sake and the gospel's sake, who will not receive 100 times much now in the present age. I will bless you 100 times whatever you think that you have sacrificed. When I get done, you'll have a house, you'll have a family, you will have whatever it is. However, he said, this blessing comes with, guess what, persecution. That's what it says. You don't get a hundredfold blessing without being able to stand in the hour of your trial and, and declare to the world that Jesus is the Almighty, the only living God. He is the only one that can save your soul. He is the only one that can save the world. And in the world to come eternal life. <laughs> oh man, I like that eternal life stuff. Because I do want to live forever. That's right. There's a blessing to the faithful sower. Hear me out. There's a blessing in the faithful sower. The place of your calling. Don't worry about depending on Egypt. God's with you right now, right here. The first parable recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels is a sower. That's right. First one. Listen carefully. All three end with these words. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's what, when he got through with the parable of the sower, Matthew puts it number one. Mark puts it number one. Luke puts it number one. At the end of it, they record it. And Jesus said this. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Everyone has ears. Listen up, he says. Pay close attention to this first parable. Eugene Peterson writes, this is the entrance parable. Standing guard over everything else Jesus would say. The seed, he went on to, to, to define it. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. The seed is your testimony. You testifying not about how great you are, but about how that you were nothing without Him. But when He came into your life, He began to bless you and He began to transform you. And you are what you are today because He changed your life. That's your testimony. The seed's the word of God. The ground world is hard. It's a hard world. It's unprepared for His coming. They are shallow thinkers. The world is preoccupied with so many things. Sow the seed anyway, right where you are, because it is the seed that carries the potential for the harvest. They're shallow thinkers. That's all right. Throw them a little bit of seed anyway. But it's rocky out there. I know it is. But sow the seed anyway. Because we are in a race. The time clock is ticking. And we're in a race. The reaper is sitting on the cloud. Even though some seed fell by the wayside. Some on stony ground, some among the thorns, but some fell on good soil. And some of those seeds produced 100, some 60, some 30. You understand? There, that seed right there, you've got to, it's, it's not, it doesn't deal in one plus ones. It deals in multiplication. He said, hey, I want you to know that you keep sowing and it's going to hit some pay dirt one of these days. It's going to strike gold one of these days and you're going to sow some seed and that young man is going to be a preacher someday. That young man is going to be a teacher someday. That young lady is going to be an example of what young ladies should be like someday. That man's going to be a father someday and he's going to raise up a Samuel. He's going to raise up a Moses. You sow the seed. Sow it until you strike Peter. Sow it. Listen. God's the only one that can work on the heart. Sow the seed. Even in time of famine. Especially because you know what? God loves famines. You know, when the earth is all full of rain and, and everything is nice and green, anybody can grow a crop. He said, hey, let me, let me show you what I can do in a famine. Yeah. 
The one that plants is nothing. The one who waters really isn't anything. They're just part of the process. Paul wrote, he says, but only God gives the increase. You understand? Only God gives the increase. Only God can orchestrate a person's life until they get so broken and so absolutely beat up from the world that finally yeah, God says that young man, that young woman is ready. That elder is ready. And so here's what I need you to do, Brother Easton. I need you to go over there and just drop a seed into the life of that man because you see, I've been working on that heart. And boy, once I get in the heart, then you got to understand that, that I can change things. I can revitalize. I can transform. I can do things that no man can do, but God can do. Number two, the harvest potential is gigantic and it's ready for harvest. Matthew, the ninth chapter, Jesus went about preaching in the city and the village, healing the people of all kinds of disease. And when he saw the multitudes, listen carefully. He was moved with compassion on them. Why? Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. He, listen, we know that he was moved with compassion when he saw their physical need and he healed them. But what really moved him, Brother Woods, was the Bible says this. That he says that when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted. In other words, they were weary. They were heartbroken. They were battered. They were shattered. And there was no shepherd. There was nobody to show them the way to the Master's Supper table. He said that's, that's what moved him. That's what moves God. Oh, listen to me. God, you have a physical ailment. You, absolutely God is concerned about that. But what he's really concerned about, the Bible says he's not drawn to a physical ailment. He's not drawn to your ugliness or your good looks. The Bible says that God is drawn to what? He's drawn to broken hearts and contrite spirits. He's drawn to a person that is broken inside because it's that soil that the Word of God can get into. They're hungry for the Word of God. And here's what he said to his disciples. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Here's my prayers a lot of times. Oh God, wake up Jonas. Wake up the Jonas of our assembly. Hello. Wake up Jonah. Oh God. Oh God. Wake up Samuel. 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 
Wake up, Jonah. Wake up, Jonah. You know why? Because Jonah was the greatest evangelist that ever lived. That's why. You know why? Because Samuel had an entire life to give to God. He started as a young child, and he ministered and became one of the greatest prophets in the entire word of God. That's why. Wake up, Jonah. Wake up, Samuel. This isn't the voice of man that you're dealing with. This is the harvest. This is God trying to get you to a place where you can go out and sow the seed because people are dependent upon it. Luke records the same words. John does too, but a little bit more powerful than John, the fourth chapter. Why? Because Jesus just spent time with the woman at the well of Samaria. Of course, the disciples didn't know what to say. They suggested that they all go out to lunch. You know, trying to, trying to get him out of it. what they thought was a very difficult situation. Hey, come on, let's go eat. <laughs> Here's what, here's what he said. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. Come on, you with me? And he went on to say, don't, don't say there are four months until harvest. He said, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white and ready to harvest. He went on to spend the next two days in the city with that woman and those in that city. Oh, I don't, I don't want to go to Samaria. Go ye into all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. You see, you don't get to the uttermost of the world without going through Samaria. You got to stop in Samaria to get to the uttermost part of the world. Matthew and Mark tell us to pray to the Lord of the harvest for laborers. The potential. Let's talk about that. Church was born with 120, went to 3,000 very quickly, and then added another 5,000. Went outside Jerusalem, Judea, into Samaria, and then finally to the home of Cornelius. Present day America, they surmise that at least some kind of a Christian uh, relationship, uh, you know, faith, that in America, 210 million. Globally, somewhere around 2.3 billion. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that they all have experienced the new birth salvation according to what we believe, Acts 2.38. But apparently, according to whoever's, I'm not saying that their lifestyles match up to a transformation because it takes the Holy Ghost to do that. Okay? I'm just saying that, look, the same, Abraham, remember what I said to you, son? You were 100 years old. 
And I told you that the promise is coming. I told you that it's coming. And it starts with one. It starts with one. And then it goes to twins. And then it goes to 12 sons. And then it goes to the 70 that went into Egypt. And they spent a couple of years there. And suddenly there were 600,000. You understand? God deals in multiplication. He is an abundant God. He lacks nothing for resources when it comes to the harvest field. He is ready and willing to do and supply everything that we need for you and I to sow a seed of the potential harvest, salvation, glory to God, hallelujah, into all you got to do. Brother Ali, thank you for that lesson this morning. If I had my jar of mustard seeds, I'd give you one, but all I got is in my, uh, the seed, you understand? The seed. Somebody gave you a seed. Somebody gave you a seed. It wasn't a delusional hope. It was a reality of the potential that Jesus Christ could do in your life. And so, Abraham, you, we know his story. God, I, you know, I'm, whew, I'm 100 years old. Yeah, but Abraham, just, if you could hang around, you won't know until the rapture, but then you will see the fruit, okay, of your faith. There are, there are multitudes that I believe that we, have, that we have thrown seed into their lives, that we won't know the extent of it until the rapture of the church. And then we'll know. The harvest, the potential of the harvest is gigantic, and it's ready. The reaper. Whew. Look and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man. How would you like to have that vision? Having on his head a golden crown. That's not a, that's not a, that's not a, a crown that a king would wear, okay? That, this crown that is referred to it uses a different word and it is a victorious crown it is a crown that a conquering general would wear after he completely annihilates the enemy and he had a sharp sickle Another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him that said on the, crowd, on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. He that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped. Another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven 
he also had a sharp sickle. Another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire, cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, thrust in your sickle, gather the clusters of the vine. And I'm not going to go into it all here, but except there are a couple of different thoughts on this. The first being the harvest, possibly talking about the final, the rapture of the church. Some, some commentators will write, they'll say the rapture of church has already happened. And this is the final judgment of God. Others think that it possibly is referring to the rapture. And the next one is the final judgment of God. Either way, either way. You understand? It is a paradox. That sickle is two-edged. The final harvest, the final reaping is, it's going to be good, it's going to be bad. I know this is kind of serious note here today. But I think we're in a serious mode of life. I think we need to live in a serious note. The rock and roll days are over, okay? Because you see, when Jesus Christ puts his sickle and puts that last thrust into reaping the harvest of the earth. That's good for the church. That's not good for those that are still here. Now we could, we can kind of, you know, we can try to, you know, candy coat it, whatever. Hello. It's pretty easy today to get caught up into the end time scenario. You don't have to try. All you got to do is pick up the paper or attend a, a high school football game and, and the gay community cancels out a, a thing that they've done for years and years. But you don't, you don't. And listen, young people, I'm not here to alarm you. I'm not here to scare anybody today. I'm here to tell you that there is a great harvest potential that is currently alive today. And Jesus Christ is offering you a place in his kingdom. And it is the very best offer that you could ever have in life. Kathleen and I used to go to the juvenile detention center week after week after week after week after week after week. Her playing that Lawrence Welk thing that she has. And, and me carrying my Bible and talking to them young people. And always... I would ask, how many, how, many, how many of you here today, if you could, how many of you would like to start life brand new? Man, when you're in jail, right? 
Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're in the right place then. Because that is exactly what we have to offer to those that have been bruised and broken and downtrodden and misused and abused and taken advantage of. You give your heart to God and you just watch and see what he will do to your, in your life. You watch. He says, Abraham, I, I'm going to bless you. But part of your blessing is you will conquer every enemy that comes against you. I love what the writer wrote in Revelation. I think it's the 12th chapter. He says, and you are an overcomer by the blood. Blood of Calvary and your testimony. What does that mean? That means that you got to have the spirit of Stephen. Okay? You shall be a witness. That word witness comes from, or the word martyr comes from, those two words are connected. That means that the word of your testimony, that means your faith will have to stand the test of the fiery furnace when they say, hey, it's a little hot out there. and It's heating up real. Yeah, it's okay, man. I know that the Lord can. And should he will it to be so, you can throw me in that fire and he'll join me and then we'll come out of that fire together. That's the word of your testimony. Your testimony will have to stand the test of society that is trying to get it to the point where if I, we preach something or teach something that is out of a line with their thinking, deluded, delusional process, that, they're, that they'll say, we're going to put you in jail, big guy, and then we'll see what you got. Say, well, yeah, right. Better vote November, that's all I'm saying. As you stand with us today. Let no one deceive you by any means except there come a falling away first. Two different thoughts. The Bible says that we're the salt of the earth, we're the light of the world. We are the one that today that is controlling, in part at least, society being completely upside down. But the writer says, hey, that falling away, some say it's an apostasy, some say it's, a, it's when the Christian, maybe a UFO comes and, you know, a Plutonian steps out and People say, well, there must not be a God if that's a, you know, a, 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 a being from Pluto. I don't know. But others say, yeah, well, you see, when the rapture of the church occurs, the world has no salt in place to prevent the complete decay. You are what's preventing the world 
excuse my expression, from going to hell today. I don't think I'm too far out of context to say that. You are. You're it. We're it. It's our prayers. That other angel came out. He came out from the altar. Read it. Study it. He came out from the... There's an altar in heaven. So don't be deceived, Paul wrote, because they were looking for the second coming. He says, don't be deceived, except there come falling away first. The men of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Who opposes and exalts above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, he goes into the temple of God, showing himself as God here. Remember the parable of the sower. He that hath an ear, let him hear. The seven churches of Asia. He that hath an ear, the writer says, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Here's what he says. He that overcomes. All seven. He that overcomes. He that overcomes. Well, I'm in good shape. You know why? Because my overcoming is predicated upon the blood atonement that Jesus Christ gave on Calvary's cross to remit my sins. And it's then my part is that, oh, Jesus, am I, am I, do I have the goods, man? Do I have the goods to stand in the face and confront the world? Oh, yeah, on the job, in the school district. Come on, wherever you're at. Are you, do, do you have it? Will it take you through? You know the blood will. <laughs> you know the blood will. You know the Holy Ghost will. Will your faith? We're made by, we're made overcomers. We're made overcomers. The urgency of the hour, the kingdom of heaven, is like a man which sows good seed in his field. While he slept, the enemy came, sowed tares among the wheat, went his way. When the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, there appeared tares also. The servants of the householder came and said, Sir, do you not sow good seed in your field? How is there tares? He said, An enemy. An enemy came in during the night and did that. Now they said, well, let us go in there and rip things apart, man. Let us call fire down from heaven and consume them, guys. He says, no, nah. Jesus said, now nah, let them grow together until the harvest. Let them grow together. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, I will say to the reapers, Throw the tares and fire, get the wheat in the barn. He goes on, Jesus in between. He teaches about the mustard seed and the leaven, but in verse number 36, the disciples ask what they want to know. It says, declare unto us the parable of the tares. What in the world are you talking about there? 
Jesus said, He that soweth good seeds is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. The tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. First time Jesus came, he came as a sower. The second time he will come as the reaper. The first time he came in a manger to seek and to save the lost. The second time he comes, he will be the judge of the living and the dead. The church is racing against the reaper. We're in a race. We could see the prophetic time clock of God at midnight being that hour. Where would it be in your mind today? Where would that time clock be? You may be a young person. You may be a, a middle-aged person. You may be an elder tonight or this morning, but it, we're all in this time slot. Probably brought out. You know, there's no retirement. The only retirement is the grave. You're here. You're here this morning. I mean, I'm going to leave a scripture with you in Jeremiah 10 too. Hear what the Lord says. Do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by signs in the heavens, though the nations are terrified by them. So don't worry about them. Don't worry about the famine, the growing cold, men and lo women losing their natural identity, disobedient children. Three times there are places in the Bible that tells us to look up. He says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Look to the cross. It says, when you see this day approaching, lift up, lift your up. For your redemption draweth nigh. And then he says, lift up your eyes and look to the harvest field. If you're here this morning, you have a need. Matters not what it is. Spiritual, physical, financial, whatever it is. Emotional, mental, young, old. You got to believe that the God that we serve is able to do what you think and what you read he can do. We're going to just open the altar here this morning. And I challenge you. Thank you, Brother Grant Woods, for, for kicking this thing off as far as sowing the seed, inviting people out. That's it. Got to sow the seed. That's the gold. That's the gold in life. That's the gold in life. If you're here today and you have a need, if you're here with your family, with your children, why don't you come down and pray as a family? Why don't you lift one another up this morning? Or maybe you have a loved one that is not here today for whatever reason. Oh, would you call out their name this morning? How about you just call out their name? How about you just let the Lord know that they are inside of your heart here today and that you would ask and that you would love for him to minister to their need. Oh, come on, that's it. We'll make room for you this morning. We'll make room for you today.
I believe that there's revival coming. Revival is here, but there is an orchestrated time in God's plan for the destiny of a particular, sometimes a group of people. I believe that we may be entering into that stage here this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift him up. Let's lift him up. Let's lift him up. It's not delusional when we read scripture such as, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the one who gathers the harvest, and the one that treads the grace shall overtake him who sows the seed. For the harvest continues until planting time. The seasons overlap. The harvest is so big. Joel says that he will cause the rain to come. The former rain and the latter rain. He's going to pour it out upon this last day church in such a manner that it will literally blow your mind and my mind. We won't even be able to contain it. The floor shall be full of wheat. Yet a little while I will shake all nations and I will fill my house with my glory and the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. It's not some delusional hope. It's a divine presence of this moment that we live in. Let it rain, Jesus. Let it rain, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Oh, that's it. Come on. Come on. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Let it rain, Lord. Let it rain. Let it rain. Come on, that's it. Let him bless you. He's got a blessing for somebody here today. He wants to bless somebody here today. Come on. You might as well get it. You might as well get it. Oh, let it rain, Jesus. Let it rain. Rain on our young people, Lord. Rain on our young people, Jesus. Rain on our young people, Lord. Rain on our young people, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let it rain, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, God. rain is falling down. rain is falling down. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Not afraid. 
Jesus, yes. Come on, that's it, that's it, come on. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Bless us, Lord. 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 Healing rain is falling down. I'm not afraid. Come on, believe him. You need a healing today. You need a healing today. He's here. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Touch our hearts. Touch our hearts. Touch our hearts, Lord. Touch my mind. Touch my heart. Jesus. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on, Austin. Let him bless you. 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 Let it bless you. Come on. Come on. Let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain. Let it rain. Oh, yes. Open those gates, Lord. Open those gates, Lord. Open them up, Jesus. Open the gates. Open the gates. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm not afraid. Hallelujah. Open the flood. Open the floodgates, Lord. Yes, let the floodgates, Lord. Gates, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Come on. Come on, let's press on through here for just a couple of more minutes. Come on, let's press on through here today. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.